idea of, of even giving a message after we just had uh, a wonderful message really given. I mean, we just, we just heard again the Christmas story, and, and in such a wonderful way, we, we heard the Christmas story. And, and last week, you know, we talked about this Savior coming into the world, being the light into darkness. And when you start thinking about Christmas stories, and you start thinking about all the wonderful stories that, that I could stand up here and tell and to talk about, I mean, there's, there's definitely no drought of, of options. I mean, whether that be, you know, me reading again the, the actual birth story of, of Jesus, you know, what was just depicted here, or, or we talk about the, the magi, the, the astronomers that saw from far, far away that something very special was happening in this, in this area of Jerusalem. You know, we could talk about that story. We could talk about Simeon and, and Anna, you know, what uh, Dave talked about a couple week, three weeks ago. That's a great Christmas story of, of faithfulness and standing true through, through all of it and then seeing the Savior being into this world. Or we could, or we could go like, you know, more uh, uh, commercialized. We could, we could talk about one of my favorite Christmas movies, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas Story. We could, we could quote, you know, right from, right from Charlie Brown Christmas Story. We could quote, quote scripture that Linus says from the stage. We could read Luke chapter 2. You know, and the angel said unto him, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings and great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Quoting Charlie Brown is one of the few times that I'll actually read King James Version from the stage. So, uh, it was the Bible, but... That's how, that's how Linus read it. We could do that. We could talk about those things. But what I can promise you we wouldn't go to thinking about talking about is what we're actually going to talk about this Sunday. And that's always fun to say. Like, what you thought we were going to talk, we're not going to talk about that. And we could talk about, you know, the classic Christmas story that we're all so used to. You know, the babe in the manger, the Mary, the Joseph, the shepherds, the angel, and those things will get talked about, but it's going to look a little different. We're actually going to be reading out of the book of Revelation, specifically chapter 12. And as crazy as it might seem, if, if maybe you're not super well-versed in the book of Revelation, maybe you haven't you know, taken to reading Revelation for your nighttime story reading as you uh, head off to sleep, but chapter 12 of the book of Revelation talks about the Christmas story. And there's a particular character in this story that kind of, well, honestly, it's completely different from what we're used to. So let's read out of Revelation chapter 12, this Christmas story. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out, and birth pains, and the agony of giving birth, and the, another sign appeared in the heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. 
Yikes. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness, where she, w- she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated. There was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, and the ancient serpents who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation of the, and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives, even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in a great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman, who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth, came to to help the woman, and the earth opened its mouth. Oh, sorry. Uh, River out of his mouth. After the woman to sweep her away with a flood, But earth came to help the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Merry Christmas. That was different, right? I mean, maybe in, your, uh, maybe in your lifetime you've never heard this story of the red dragon with seven heads, with diadems on each head. Maybe that's not been a story that you grew up with, but it was always there. It was a story that was always being spoke of. Not in our time, not really around you know, the Christmas tree or, or in the movies, but it was definitely something that that was always there. Because that was the war, that was the battle that was fought that Christmas morning. That was the battle, that was the, that was the raging of war that went forward because of Jesus coming into this earth, the light into the darkness. And the darkness didn't just let it happen. The darkness pushed back. I know what you're thinking, this isn't like any Christmas story that you've ever heard. You know, there's no talk of the shepherds. There's no talk of the three wise men, which maybe might not have been three wise men. There might have been four. There might have been one. 
Maybe, maybe two. That's not the point. You know, there's no talk of, of the manger or the stable. There's really, there wasn't any talk of that one specific star. I mean, there was talks of stars being swiped away. But this is important. These two first verses that John writes about in Revelation chapter 12, a great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under the feet and the crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and carried out in pains as she was about to give birth. Who is this woman? It's a super strange depiction. I mean, if you know a lot about Revelation, you know that most of it is, is figurative. There's some things that you can take as, as literal, but usually they're kind of surrounded by figurative, and so you kind of have to interpret what's going on here. And the best that I can understand that John is writing about is that John is, is throwing back to the story of Joseph, not Jesus' stepdad, but the coat of many colors, Joseph. Genesis chapter 37, Joseph. Because Joseph had a dream, if you remember the story of Joseph. And Joseph had this dream, and, the, and it says, and, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Similar language. A sun and a moon. This one said 12 stars, though. Looking at the imagery, we see that this woman in Revelation chapter 12 is not Mary, but it's an actual representation of the nation of Israel. The number 12 suggests that this woman represents God's people. 12 tribes of Israel. Here you have, in two short verses, all the history wrapped up into the birth of Christ. You have a sense of promise. And if somebody who uh, you know, was, was pregnant, you have this sense of uh, like excitement and joy, sense of worry, sense of longing, Maybe even counting down. You know, if you've been to a, a baby shower recently, or maybe not recently, you can just remember, but you buy gifts. You mark it on the calendar. You know when that's going to happen. You know when the big day is going to happen. And if you're really close to the person that is uh, having the baby, or you are the person that is having the baby, you are viciously counting down. You're like, how quick? How soon can we get there? It's excitement. You're ready for it to happen. This begins in Genesis chapter 3 and continues with Abraham, through whom God promises to bless the entire world. You see, this is through the whole Hebrew scriptures. In the Psalms and the prophets, you see expectation and hope. Amazingly, in John chapter 8, Jesus says to the religious leaders this, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it. And was glad. I mean, Abraham's not alive at this point. So Jesus is referring to Abraham having kind of like prophetic insight. Being able to fulfill what he was called to have. To know what the Savior would be. All of Hebrew scriptures points to him. But then we see that there is not just longing and hope, but also pain. You know, that's not talked about a lot in the Christmas story. I mean, obviously, if you're a mom, you, you know it goes with that, but it's not talked about. It's kind of pushed away, pushed aside. But he says she was pregnant and cried out in pain 
as she was about to give birth. Here you get a sense of pain for God's people. If you know anything about pregnancy, this was intense pain. I mean, I've personally never been pregnant, so I don't. Uh, but I can imagine. One time I stubbed my toe, so um, it's kind of similar. But you can imagine what it was like for Israel to go through this hardship, these, this agony, this woe time that they had. This is the backstory of Christmas. The story of Mary and Joseph and this baby is not just some random event. The birth of Jesus is the story of all of Hebrew scriptures. You can trace the origins right back to the beginning of time. All of history prior to this points to the coming of this child. And the second thing that is so important in this story is the conflict, this war surrounding Christmas. I mean, we, we just last night went to Tulsa. We have a tradition where we go and we see the real Santa in Utica Square in Tulsa. Um, and so we, we enjoy that as a family where we get to go and we get to, we get to tell Santa you know, what we are hoping for. I told him a million dollars, so we'll see what happens. Um, but we get a cookie and we get a little sticker and we put it on our uh, picture. We have, we have like five, I think, pictures of the 12, 13 that we should have. So they're somewhere. Uh, but it's our tradition. We, we, we do that as a family. Another thing that we do as a family is we like to go and look at Christmas lights. We drive around and we look at Christmas lights and we had this opportunity in Tulsa to kind of drive around where Casey would drive around with her family as a kid to see these Christmas lights. And man, they were, they were awesome. Uh, embarrassing story moment. Our, our youngest, Oakley, she's being potty trained right now. And, and if you can imagine what that's like, it's not fun. Uh, and so we are traveling along looking at Christmas lights and she has this, she has this uh, thing that she'll do. She'll just find one word that we react to, and she'll say that over and over again. So we, we drove by one house, and she said, ooh, pretty. And we were like, oh, that's so funny. And she, then that becomes the thing. She goes, pretty, 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 as we drive by all these houses. And then all of a sudden, pretty turned into pee-pee. She goes, pretty, 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 pee-pee, 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 pretty, pretty, pretty. And Casey goes, what did you say? She goes, pee-pee. So needless to say, it wasn't, it wasn't super fun. But... We saw Christmas lights. We kept seeing the Christmas lights. I mean, she had already done the deed, so we didn't really change our, change our path. She's the third kid, right? You know, it's, it's whatever. Uh, and so we continue along, and man, there's something special about Christmas lights. There's something that really kind of, like we talked about it last week, you know, entering into, that, into your living room and the tree being the only thing that's lit. There's something special. There's something like awe feeling about Christmas lights, something that, you know, Something kind of dreary, so black outside and so dreary that you can look at Christmas lights and it feels so special, so much joy. And that's just, that's the holiday season. But what Revelation chapter 12 here is depicting is not a story of joy. It's depicting a story of, of angst and anger and, and fighting and he says in chapter three, or says chapter twelve, verses three and four, it says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept two thirds of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that he might devour her child the moment he was born. 
Man, that is not joy. That's scary. The devil was ready to devour Christ the moment he entered this world. And that's what is so important about why Christ came as a baby. And we talked about this a little bit last week, this idea that Christ could have came as anything in this world. He could have came as a grown man that was already knowledgeable and already ready to go in his 30s, start his mission, and and do it for the three years and then die, right? He could have done that, but he didn't. He came as a baby. He came as an innocent baby that could have been devoured at any moment by this terrifying, seven-headed, ten-horned dragon. He could have. I mean, we think of songs like Silent Night. You know, we think of these like cute baby lying in a manger, quietly in a manger. You know, the cattles are lowing, the cattle are lowing, and the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. But that's not the scene that's being set. Christmas was nowhere as serene as that. Maybe it was in the stable. But in heaven, where the war was raging on our behalf, for us to have that Savior go to the cross, it was nothing but war. This is war that was throughout all of the Old Testament. If Israel was like the pregnant woman through whom the Messiah would be born, then it makes sense of how often Satan attacked Israel and tried to destroy her. And if Satan destroyed Israel, then it would have wiped out the line through whom Jesus should have been born. I mean, whether it be Pharaoh with the killing of babies or whether it be, uh, you know, Haman and the plots to, to kill the Jews or whether it be Israel trying to wipe out the Messiah themselves I mean, whatever it was, Satan was trying to take out Jesus before he could fulfill what he was called to do. Christmas is a battle. Maybe you've never thought about that before. Light coming into darkness is not something that does it without changing everything. When you turn a light on the room, it doesn't stay dark. It changes everything. Christ came into this world and changed everything. And Satan didn't take that lightly. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all nations with an iron scepter. A child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The child who was born in Bethlehem, John says, is not just a baby, but he is the one who rules all nations with an iron scepter who is enthroned with God. Do you know what this means? It means that God can't just be sentimized in Christmas. You know, we think about Christmas a lot, and you, you kind of look at your, your Christmas cards, and you know, we kind of have almost simplified what Christmas really was all about. You, know, you can thumb through a stack of Christmas cards, and you can realize that Christian countries just kind of sentimize it all. You know, the hallmark stories and just the picture-perfect white Christmas outside. You know, we listened to Bing Crosby last night listening to White Christmas, and you kind of get sentimental over it. And Christ waged war. You'll probably never get a Christmas card that has a dragon on the front of it. 
if you do find one, please, I would like that uh, a whole lot, um, along with a, a penguin if you find one of those. Um, but Christmas is not normally about dragons. It's about babies. It's about baby Jesus. It's about the sheep and the, the donkey and the, the camels and the wise men. And It's not about this war. The birth of Jesus was a pivotal moment in the battle between God and Satan. And Jesus triumphed. It's not a tranquil story. It's a battle. It's about battle, but it's also about conquest and a victory. And it's a story that should never be tamed. And the final thing that we get to look at is how does this apply for us? I think you'll agree that this isn't your typical Christmas passage or sermon. But I choose it for a reason. I think we need this Christmas story for one thing. It puts Christmas in its context. If you only focus on the stories of the manger and of the shepherds and of the magi, you're only getting a part of the story. And yes, that is a very, very important part of the story. And that was a part of the story that that the people of their time used to tell others about how great God is. I mean, they were able to tell stories to all their friends about how the shepherds came from far away without knowing anything other than that angels had talked to them. They had stories of these astronomers from far away coming from all the way, uh, all the way to that point following a star because they knew that a king had been born. The people of this story that we watched this morning needed that side of it. But they also needed what was going on in the heavenly realms. The passage reminds us that Christmas is is a part of a much larger story that stretches back throughout history. It's also a story that takes us to the cross, where the war was finally ended, and Jesus says, it is finished, and we are able to truly say that there is victory in Christ. And we talked about this morning in Sunday school, this idea of how Christmas is needed. God needed Christmas. Because it was with that sacrifice on the cross that God was able to truly show victory in him. And was able to show how through sacrifice, true forgiveness can happen. You know, Andy Stanley in our, in our video talked about this idea that you can only see true sacrifice when somebody is willing to give of themselves. You can only tr- so true love when somebody is willing to give of themselves. And that's exactly what Christ did. And the second thing is it reminds us of who won. John was writing to Christians who knew the story of Jesus born in the manger. The problem is that they were facing all kinds of problems, false teachings, persecution, paganism, immorality. How does a Christmas story help you when your life is filled with all these kinds of pressures and troubles? Well, John reminds us, and he reminds us, that we are caught in this cosmic struggle and that the baby who was born in Bethlehem wins. He rules the nations with an iron scepter. And if you read on, you find that Satan loses. And he is uh, active, but his time is short. And Revelation reminds us who ultimately wins. Christ is the ultimate victor in all of it. So this morning, we had some special things happen. We had a special Christmas play here. We had a special Christmas sermon that maybe was different than you've ever heard before. 
And then for us as a family, we're, we get to do something that's special for us. So we talk, talked about it last week, about how this Sunday we get to, to bring our two oldest kids into the family of Christ. And we get to symbolize that victory that gets to happen over this earth, over this pain, over this, the sin and the, the struggles. We get to embody that with the death and the resurrection that we get to have through baptism. So I'm going to invite my two oldest super brave kids to come on up here. They're curling up to mom right now. And, uh, and so if, if you don't know the, the process that we've kind of gone through, just specifically for our family, um, we took a book, it's called Taking the Plunge, and we worked through this book. And, and it was driven specifically for their kind of their age. And we had the opportunity to kind of have them answer the tough questions, not just mom and dad telling them the right answers, but them kind of working through the difficulties and, and why this was so important. And they made the decision on their own to be baptized. And so we made the decision to do it the day before Christmas, you know, the, the Sunday before Christmas, because that that's more special to us. And so, um, so I'm super excited to get to ask them this question. And, uh, and then we're going to, what we'll do is we'll go back, we'll sing the invitation song, and then we'll have a baptism, and then, uh, then we'll sing communion song. Or I can't remember the order, but um, all right. So this is Ellie. She is she's our middle child, and uh, she's super big and brave. She was one of the wonderful angels that was reading as brilliantly as she can. But I'm going to ask you a question, okay? Do you believe that Jesus is your Lord? Do you believe that He died for your sins? Yes. And will you live forever for Him? Yes. All right. So we're going to baptize Ellie into salvation with Christ, and so. Jonah, if you want to come on up here. Jonah's our oldest. Ellie's six, and Jonah's eight. And so I'm going to ask Jonah the same questions, okay? You know, look at me. Do you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you want to live the rest of your life for him? Yeah, awesome. Well, let's give a round of applause. And if have the band come up here. We're going to pray, and then we're going to head back there, okay? So stay right here with me. Father God, we, we just come to you as we read this story from Revelation chapter 12, this victory that, that happened, this war that happened, and we pray as we take another step here to fight off Satan for what he has in any control over this world, as we prepare to baptize Jonah and Ellie, we just pray for your son to come in to all of our hearts and break our hearts for you into this holiday, this, this Christmas time that we remember what your son did and the war that wa- waged on and the fight that was his victory. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand?
So, uh, so last night uh, we had our, our Christmas at uh, Kevin and Carla's, and it was awesome time as always. They always spoil us uh, with amazing gifts and food. We had a great time. And we were driving home last night, and all three kids were in the back seat, and they were all holding a box of Legos, and they were so excited to get home. They could not wait to get home and tear into these Legos and stay up half the night putting these Legos together. And for some reason, I asked the question um, that every Christian parent has to ask at some point. Uh, they were holding these gifts, and I asked them, guys, why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we, you know, why do, we do the things we do at Christmas? And um, I, I don't know what I was expecting, like some sort of hallmark moment, you know, and they would say, Jesus is the reason. And Ashley and I would look at each other, and yeah, well, that isn't exactly what happened. Um, Thatcher was the first one to answer, and he started his response out the way he, his favorite way to start out everything now. He said, well, it's not fair that Jesus got presents and we didn't, so that's why we get presents at Christmas time. So I heard that, and I thought, well, he did say Jesus in there. like, So, you know, that, that's kind of close. So I thought, well, he also kind of alluded to the story of the wise men and the, and the presents and, you know, the gifts that they brought to Jesus. So I asked him to clarify. I said, so what did Jesus get for Christmas? He said, golden cups. So, okay, well, I guess Jesus got golden cups. And Scout had to interrupt and say, well, he also got some sins, too, for Christmas. So... <laughs> They're telling me this story, and, and it's, you know, unraveling. I'm wondering why I even asked the question to begin with. Um, but luckily, luckily, the girls kind of came in, and I breathed a sigh of relief. They said, we celebrate Christmas because it's Jesus' birthday. So uh, I breathed a sigh of relief. Okay. Um, you know, we, we have some things to work on, obviously, but we're, we're partway there. And I got to thinking about Christmas and why we do the crazy things we do, why we change our behavior and everything for this. And I think that we're kind of cutting ourselves short a little bit if we only celebrate the birth of Jesus. Because this story that we, we talk about, that we celebrate, that we demonstrated up here, as amazing as that is, extraordinary. And by the way, did you notice how stoic Mary was up here? And Thatcher, or Joseph, had the, the first child jitters, you know, that Jared brought that up. But this incredible story that we share is, is amazing. It's, it's awesome. But uh, in reality, it's just the first chapter. It's just the beginning of the most amazing story of love and grace and redemption. Um, because this baby in the manger, the, the one laying there, doesn't stay in the manger for long. He grows into a man uh, that would willingly take on the sins of the earth, uh, your sins and mine, and bear them on a cross. And that's what we're here to celebrate as we take communion this morning. So my challenge to all of us as we uh, go into this week, as we go into Christmas morning, as we share the Christmas story with our kids and grandkids and and everyone else, uh, that we remember the cross along with the manger. So uh, before we take communion, will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you um, for the gift of your Son. I thank you for uh, sending him to earth uh, to be born in a manger. I'm so grateful that, uh, for the life that he lived and for his uh, sacrifice for us on the cross, God. And at this time, we just want to focus on that. Uh, God, help us to keep that in the forefront of our minds as we just go through this week and um, as we go through life. God, we're so grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.